Coming up on this week's show, we're having a coloring party with Dreamspinner Press Associate Art Director Paul Richmond and cover designer Aaron Anderson. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 82 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. This week's episode is sponsored in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support the show in just a few moments. Welcome to another episode, sir. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. Indeed. Let's just welcome the... I don't know. We're just full of welcomes today. We're full of welcomes. <laughs> so, no uh, updates this week. Uh, we're actually pre-recording because as this episode comes out, we're in Atlanta at RT, uh, getting ready to spend the week there. So, Indeed. Yeah. The, the day that this episode goes live, we will be in a, uh, what is it, a plotting masterclass? Plotting masterclass with Sherry Adair. Yes, we That's will. going to be fun. Yeah, so that'll be the start of our week-long adventures there at the RT Book Lovers Convention. We'll speak to that a little bit more in just a few moments. Yes. Also, the day that this particular episode goes live is our anniversary. Yes, 22 years ago, this May 1st, <laughs> Yep. this one asked me on a date and we went on a date. Yeah. So happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Yeah. Thanks for putting up with me. I was about to say the same thing to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 22 years, it's a lot of putting up with. Yeah, that's for sure. But a lot of good times, too. Lovely times. Hopefully we'll find a lovely spot in Atlanta for perhaps a celebratory dinner this evening. Mm-hmm. You know what else is happening this week? I do. <laughs> <laughs> a certain someone we know is releasing a book on May 3rd. Somewhere on Mackinac, which I feel like I've talked about on this podcast forever, finally comes out on Wednesday, May 3rd. <laughs> finally, it is releasing out into the wild. Yes. So, um, this is the segment where I try and interview you about the book that we've been talking about nonstop for months and months. <laughs> um, I don't know what else we really have to say about this particular book. Um, we may have, well, truthfully, we may have spoken to this already, but I would like to know where the specific im uh not information uh inspiration that's the word where the specific inspiration for this book comes from now somewhere in Mackinac uh as we have stated previously is part of the Dream Spinner Press's States of Love series uh somewhere in Mackinac takes place in Michigan mm -hmm. on a place called Mackinac Island. Mm -hmm. Mackinac Island happens to be where they filmed the 1980 movie Somewhere in Time starring Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. Mm -hmm. Now, where did the inspiration come from? Well, when the States of Love call came out, yes. which would have been probably early 2016, when they started floating the idea and actually starting to get the stories. Almost they, a year ago. Yeah. Uh, probably just almost exactly a year ago, potentially. Uh, the The idea behind states was not just to throw a story in each state, 
but to really make it intrinsic to the state. So you look at Avon Gale's whiskey business as a key example of this. Whiskey is such a Kentucky business mm-hmm. that, okay, that, that, that story can't be set in many other places than Kentucky. All right. So for me, this is what's interesting about Michigan, because think about Michigan, your immediate inclination based on what I usually write would be to put it in Detroit, set it around the Red Wings and call it a hockey story and move on. Mm-hmm. And it would work in some ways because Michigan is even one of the original six NHL teams. So to put it in Detroit, you could just tile that up. But honestly, the first place that I thought about with this was Mackinac Island. Because there's no place in Michigan like Mackinac Island, and there are very few places in the U.S. that are like this little tiny speck of an island that sits between the Upper and Lower Peninsula, where you've got this Victorian village, and you literally feel like you've gone back in time because there are no, they don't allow cars on this island, Mm -hmm. with the exception of emergency vehicles and snowmobiles in the winter. Uh, It's actually somewhere in time tweaks that a little bit because they were allowed to have certain scenes filmed with cars for that movie that they had to bring on, put into place and then get off the island as quickly as possible. I went to this place as a child, Mm -hmm. uh, periodically. My grandfather had a four seater Cessna plane and we would fly from Flint to the island for just day trips. I think we drove once and I didn't much care going over the five mile span that is the Mackinac bridge. (laughs) Even as a kid, like five (laughs) or six years old, I didn't care for this bridge at all. Uh, but we flew two or three times that I remember going, and it was just, even as a kid, it's enchanting to mm-hmm. see this place that's so different from any place else that I'd ever been. Uh, it actually reminds me a lot of what Ferndale is here, which is near where we live in Northern California, except you could drive in Ferndale, and it's just it's just a, this little tiny you know Main Street area that's of a different time. But taking Mackinac and then even putting it together with somewhere in time a little bit because the Grand Hotel on the island hosts this fan celebration every year. And it's a big enough fan celebration that over the years, Jane Seymour's been a few times. Christopher Reeve, before he passed, had attended a couple of times. And it still goes on. I mean, they're already planning this year's in October. Don't think I haven't looked at that because I kind of want to go now that I've researched all this so much. Uh-huh. But that's really where all the inspiration kind of clicked its way together. Taking Mackinac and this movie that was filmed there and the fact that I could bring somebody there for this fan weekend mm-hmm. to put them in close proximity to an island native and put those two together to try and make this love story. So there you go. Awesome. Good interview question. Oh, you're sure. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm glad to have asked it. So yeah, the the book comes out on Wednesday. Uh, the blog tour is in progress. You can go to jeffadamswrites.com for the blog post that I have that lists all of the locations where you can get the chance to win a free copy, read some excerpts, or in some cases, uh, hear me read some excerpts because I do a couple of video stops on the tour. Um, and we'll give away a copy in uh, next week's show. Oh, cool. As well. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to that. So the day that this particular book releases, we will be busy uh, soaking in the ambiance. I I guess you could call it soaking in the (laughs) ambiance at the RT Book Lovers Convention in Atlanta. Um, I, I admit I'm more than a little stressed out and freaked out by the prospect of attending this event because it's so absurdly large 
Um, but uh, it, it's a bucket list thing. I mean, you know, yeah. we're we're in this. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're in. We're part of this genre, and I I personally believe that we need to experience RT at least once. Mm-hmm. So this is probably gonna be our once. <laughs> so uh, the day that your book comes out, we're gonna be experiencing RT uh, deep in the middle of it. Um, as we mentioned before, we're taking uh, Sherry Adair's masterclass on Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up on Thursday at 11.15, Jeff is going to be at the Dream Spinner's Apples to Apples giveaway. Um, he'll be handing out some swag. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be games lo- and fun. And yeah. yeah. Lots of DSP authors there. Yeah, uh, that should be a lot of fun. That's going to be a blast. Yep. Mm-hmm. What else have we got going on? Uh, Thursday at 4, uh, we're both at the social media fair talking about podcasting. Mm-hmm. And then Friday at 11.15, uh, we'll be giving our Podcasting 101 presentation with tips on how to be a good podcast guest or how to start your own show. Yeah. Because that... we would love to see more podcasts in our genre. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. So look for pictures and perhaps an occasional live video on our podcast. Uh, Facebook page, just go to facebook.com slash podcast. And yeah. if you happen to be at RT in Atlanta this year, um, track us down. Tra- try and track us down. There are literally a million billion people at this thing, so I don't know if, you know, well, running into people we actually know is going <laughs> to happen. It might. Uh, we'll see. Or you, you can message us on Facebook and Twitter and we could try to connect that way. Yeah, um, there, there are ways to make that happen. Yeah. Modern technology. Yes. Yes. So taking a little bit of a serious moment here. Uh, in the news lately, we've heard about uh, LGBT men in Chechnya uh, being abducted, beaten, tortured, and forced into labor camps. Uh, a group has come together uh, under the title of Re- Readers and Writers for LGBT Chechnyans, and there's, they're running an online auction to raise money for f- four organizations who are working to evacuate LGBT men from Chechnya. The auction is taking place from Friday, May 5th to Sunday, May 13th. Among the items that are offered are signed paperback copies of Damon Swade's Hothead and Lickety Split, signed paperbacks of Jordan L. Hawk's Wendershins, uh, I'm putting in signed paperbacks of the Hat Trick Trilogy. Mm-hmm. There's also cover designs, original stories, opportunities to get walk-on characters and books, and a whole lot more. So you can go to, hang on to your hats, there's a really big URL coming here, readers and writers for lgbtchechnians.wordpress.com to get involved. You could also go to the show notes to just click on that, which might be easier than trying to spell all that, that I just gave you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very happy to support this cause on the podcast and encourage you to go check out and see what you may wish to bid on yeah it's a really good uh a really good event a really good auction for uh uh an important cause yes so once again that url is readers and writers for lgbt chechnians at wordpress dot wordpress dot com thank you okay yeah so be sure and check that out yeah in somewhere on mackinac by jeff adams Jordan Monroe travels to Mackinac Island for the Somewhere in Time fan celebration weekend. Once there, he becomes attracted to local stable owner Miles Coulter. When Jordan learns the stable's in trouble, he wants to help despite Miles' resistance. As their relationship grows, he dreads the issues that face them. 
Can they forge a love as timeless as the romance in their favorite film? Find out in Somewhere on Mackinac by Jeff Adams. Available from DreamSpinnerPress.com, Amazon.com, and other ebook retailers. Okay, so really quickly, I want to talk about a book that I listened to this past week. Um, I want to talk about Catch Sebastian's The Soldier's Scoundrel. Now, uh, Jay from Joyfully Jay uh, recommended this book last year, around the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, came very highly recommended for her, so it was on my TBR. Uh, it's been on that list for quite a while. I put the, uh, let me see. This uh, paperback, I was like, (laughs) what is this thing that I'm holding in my hand right now? Boy, did I have to think about that. Okay, so yes, the paperback has been sitting at the top of my uh, real TBR list for a couple of months. I also have the ebook that's been sitting at the top of my (laughs) virtual TBR list. And I recently added the audiobook as well. So I listened to the audiobook while I was walking on the treadmill uh, uh, in the morning this past week. uh, And I really, really enjoyed it. There's a reason why everyone went crazy for this book last year. And I'll be perfectly frank, I'm not what you would call a historical fan. Mm -hmm. Um, I did sort of dip my toe into historical fiction when I was in high school. Um, The North and South miniseries was uh, airing around that time. Mm -hmm. So I read the John Jakes books. It literally took me all four years of high school to get through those three books. Because, number one, they're like giant, enormous doorstoppers. And they are so jam-packed with history that it took me that long. Um, those books are liberally peppered with sex, so it kind of, you know, you can get through some of that history when you know the shenanigans are going to be going on, too. So that was, that's my previous experience with historical fiction. Um, I am glad that I have picked, uh, picked up uh, this piece of historical romance. I loved it to pieces. The Soldier's Scoundrel is about Jack Turner. Turner, he is the scoundrel. And Oliver Rivington, he is the soldier of the title. Now, what I really, really loved about this, first of all, is the book is amazing, but also is that it kind of, it's a detective noir in a historical setting. Ooh, okay. So let me explain. The book starts out uh, with Jack Turner. He is uh, a scoundrel, a rogue, who, for the right amount of money, will take care of problems for the well-to-do in London. And uh, a situation with Oliver's family has brought him to uh, Jack's office uh, when in walks in a pretty young lady and she has a problem that Jack needs to solve. Uh, Just like the beginning of any film noir, like Sam Spade, and there's, you know, a blinking light outside the office window, and and she's a blonde, and she slinks in, and, you know, and uh, all that sort of stuff. So that's sort of how the book kicks off. Um, They need to... uh, Lady Lady Raxall's letters have disappeared, (laughs) and they need to find them and take care of them, or else scandal might ensue. Um, So (laughs) Oliver... Uh, was a soldier. He's now sort of just a gentleman kind of 
bumming around, you know, London, you know, hanging out with family members, going to his club, and he's frankly just a little bit bored. So he he starts hanging around with Jack, and they go around, they ask people questions, and they look for clues, then they travel out of town, and while they're, you know, trying to solve the mystery of the letters, they get to know one each one another, and the sort of class boundaries that separate them begin to melt away uh, and they of course begin falling for one another um, because Jack is a sexy scoundrel and Oliver is a really beautiful gentleman and uh, they have incredibly hot historical sex and <laughs> they eventually solve the mystery and I just really really love this book so I highly recommend checking out Cat Sebastian's The Soldier's, Soldier's Scoundrel. Uh, I really, really loved it. And I'm looking forward to the next book in the series as well. The Lawrence Brown Affair, I believe. Yes, that's what yes. it's called. And I believe book three comes out in July. Yes. So, yay! Yeah. So, when we were down at the Dream Spinner workshop back in March, mm -hmm. we had a good old time with Paul Richman talking about his upcoming release of the Cheesecake Boy adult coloring book. Now, we've talked many times on this show, Will loves to color. Mm -hmm. We actually had the guy on who had uh, the Gay Sex Positions coloring book. Uh, so we're happy to have the opportunity to talk to Paul about the Cheesecake Boys. And you can see all kinds of great uh, fun shenanigans can happen inside this book. <laughs> um, so let's, talk, let's find out from Paul kind of where this came from. We also are joined by Aaron Anderson, who's one of Dream Spinner's uh, cover designers. We all color, we talk, we talk about Cheesecake Boys, we talk about covers, we talk about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's a really fun interview, so check it out. So we're out here in Florida at the DSP Author Workshop, and I'm with Paul Richmond and Aaron Anderson, and of course, say hi, Will. Say hi over there. Hi, Will. We wanted to get together with these guys and talk about the new Cheesecake Boys adult coloring book that Paul's put together. So we all have a little thing that we're going to color kind of while yes. we're doing this, so if you're <laughs> If you're on the video feed, you get to see all the coloring that's going to go on. And the, one of the things that will happen is Paul's going to do a coloring, and then he's actually going to sign it, and we'll yes. give it away uh, via our rafflecopter within the show notes for this episode. So, Paul, tell us how did this come up? <laughs> so, I've been doing the Cheesecake Boy drawings for about eight or nine years, and it was originally inspired by you know the old pinup girls from the '40s and '50s who were always losing their clothes somehow or other. <laughs> They're skirt got caught on a nail or the wind or... magically falls down while you're in the grocery <laughs> yeah. store right? <laughs> right it was so hard for these ladies to get through the day and meanwhile though the the beef cakes or the male pinups of the time were were very different they were always kind of more in control so i just thought it would be funny <laughs> to do a gender swap and so i started painting these pinup boys kind of in similar wardrobe malfunction poses and you know people People got a big kick out of it, and so I've done paintings of them for a long time, and now there's this craze of adult coloring books, and I thought, well, what would be more adult than my <laughs> Cheesecake Boys? Boys so, losing their underwear. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, <laughs> that's pretty much how it was born. <laughs> did you take pictures that you'd already had done paintings of, or are these original to the coloring book? No, these are all original to the coloring book. I had done some of the drawings and posted them online for people to download 
for free to color. I'd been doing that for a few months just to kind of test the waters and see if anybody was really interested in it. And I still actually do that for anybody who's interested. You can visit um, cheesecakeboy.com and every Friday I post a new one. Oh, so fun. A free pinup boy for people to download and Friday print freebies. color. Friday freebies. You can also, a lot of people load them into coloring apps. So if they don't want to get their hands dirty with the good old Crayolas, they can uh, load it into Recolor is one of the apps that people use um, and color it digitally. But um, it kind of got a big following. People all around the world started to color them. And it was really cool for me to see that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, everybody's different interpretations of the drawings, what kinds of color schemes they would choose and stuff. I loved it. So um, there definitely seemed like there was a, an interest in it and talked with Elizabeth about it. And we'd been wanting to do some type of coloring book for a while. We decided this would be the one, so. Well, it makes perfect sense. In some weird twisted of logic, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> but you, you've done um, the Cheesecake Boys products before. Did you have, was it um, cards? I have done some cards. Yeah. We did, and I do a lot of, um, well, not, not a lot, I guess, but I have done some Cheesecake Boy book covers for Dream Spinner Press. Mm -hmm. All of their um, Advent, the Christmas mm -hmm. holiday anthologies are kind of pinup boy themes. Um, so they, they've they had many different incarnations, but <laughs> this is their first time as a, as a coloring book. And you're right, there's so many coloring books out now do you yes this is your career and your you know what you do for a living do you color separately <laughs> no <laughs> i don't because you color enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do enough coloring no uh my husband i i really actually kind of got the idea because my husband dennis has a bunch of the adult coloring books and it's very relaxing for him uh, but it's all all of you know, like, I don't know, mandalas and stuff that he has. So I thought... Something a little bit more refined. A little more sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> there are no, no mandalas in here. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, I, I thought it would be fun to give him something a little bit more humorous to color. Uh, I know I don't color myself. Do you? I mean, only yours, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fun, because there's, you know, there's not much thought you have to put into it, necessarily. And you get, like, stare at a cute boy's butt. I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah, we should show them which ones we're doing. I'm doing the, well, for people who are watching, I guess. <laughs> I'm doing the little boy on the rocket. You guys remember how all the pinup girls were always blasting off on rockets or bombers or whatever. And this unfortunate fellow is losing his underwear coming out of the pool. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't experienced that? No. I know. Who hasn't lost their pants at the grocery store? <laughs> it's not a Sunday if you're not losing it with yeah. your bok choy falling on the ground. <laughs> no, it's celery because all the pinup girls always had grocery bags full of phallic shaped things, including celery, eggplants, eggplants yep, yes. bananas, That's funny. and they were always spilling out of the bag. That was a whole, that <laughs> so was a whole thing. So ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> Will does color. Oh, okay. What do you like to color? That's why um, his looks so good, huh? I, <laughs> He's gonna, you should maybe raffle off his. <laughs> right? There, there are, um, uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I, well, I don't oh, know. We talked about it on the podcast. Um, well, we've had the, the naughty coloring book. Yes, the yes, the adult before. sex coloring book. Nice. Uh, yes, that's yes. a really, really good one. Uh, and, um, that's for me real fast. Um, sex, like, actually, like, it's a full-on... Yes. Yeah, it's like erotic. Uh -huh. I haven't uh, seen that before. The erotic coloring book, that was <laughs> awesome. I also, there are these, like, kid packs of, like, uh, velvet coloring pages. Ooh, velvet. Now um, that I might get into. They're, they're kind of ridiculous, and they're, <laughs> like, you know... 
ponies and rainbows and all that sort <laughs> like of what awesome. I'm wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> he just did a unicorn this past week. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm into those. I like this a lot. That's fun. It's awesome. Do you use crayons or do you use something more sophisticated? Um, it depends on the velvety ones. Uh, pens usually work best. Okay. Um, if I want something to be more realistic. Uh, like the sex positions coloring yes. book. Because you do um, want that to be realistic. You have to get the right shadows. You do. You have so. to get the flesh tones right. So you could use crayons or pencils or something. But. Exactly. Because people could use that as a very instructional <laughs> piece of art. So curious, what do you do with them afterwards? Uh, I put them on the refrigerator, of course. <laughs> That's where every good colored picture goes. That's where they awesome. go. That's what the cover of this book is. Did you see that? The guy, the pinup boy, putting all of his pictures on the fridge. There, yeah. there was a time for a little bit there when nobody was visiting the house. The, uh, <laughs> the adult sex coloring <laughs> then right. on the fridge. Well, you just needed to make some new friends that could appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> now, That's awesome. Paul, you're also an associate art director for Dream Center. Yes, I am. Tell us what that entails. So I work with all of our awesome artists and help coordinate you know, the production of, of all the covers for Dream Spinner, Harmony, DSPP. So we reach out to authors to find out what they would like on the cover, what they think would work well, and then we try to pair them with the right artist. And um, I mean, we have a whole you know group of people that are involved with this. It's not just me. Um, Janet in our art department is awesome. She handles a lot of the communications at first. But um, it's really just about kind of, you know, finding out what the author once and thinks will be good for the book and then also creating something that will will sell or will you mm -hmm. know represent the book well in the market and sometimes that's easy sometimes they align and then sometimes <laughs> it doesn't so it you know it, every cover is different but um we publish a lot of books so and i and i do some covers myself too um and i do all the ads for dream spinner and, and all the imprints all the like video ads and graphic design you know promotional things so a little bit of everything. I've been with Dream Spinner for probably four or five years now working in that role, and I was a freelance cover artist with them before before that. And I came to one of these conferences, the very first one, actually. Elizabeth invited me to it in New York, and I loved the people. I just thought the energy of the company was so awesome, and everybody who was involved. And I knew that it was, I wanted to get out of my evil day job <laughs> and work the EDJ. with people like this. So she, Elizabeth was amazing and still is, and she made it all happen. So I'm thrilled to be doing this. Yeah. I mean, because what other day job can you do this right here? I know, I mean, like, right. for, I mean, for, for, job. <laughs> for a solid few weeks. I mean, it was literally just me and Pinup Boys. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Now, Paul, I don't know if you know this, but yes. uh, Jeff's first story with an original cover was done by you. Which one? Bicycle Built for Two. Oh my gosh, yes, I remember that cover. Cute boys kissing next yes. to a bike in a very fall. <laughs> yeah. You followed what I wanted to a T, practically. Good. Well, I'm glad you didn't hate it, because that would make this a lot more <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Oh, it hangs on my it hangs on my office wall, actually. That's fantastic. Uh, That's what's so fun about working for for Dream Spinner because you really do get to connect with the authors and you know hopefully bring their their vision to to life. And your your team does a great job. I mean, I yeah, I've had a span lately of of stuff coming out, and I've been just every time a cover comes, it's like. Wow, look at that! <laughs> Good. That's, awesome. that's what we want. You know, it's very important to us that authors love their cover because it's kind of 
the primary marketing tool for the book, you know? I mean, the, no matter how wonderful the book is, a lot of people aren't going to find it unless it has a really striking cover, you know? It's a, it's just like anything, the packaging is, is, is a big big part of it. And, and it won't uh, sell well if you're not 100% behind it, you know? Like, if you don't love it, then you're not going to sell it as well, and you're yes. not going to push it, you know? Yeah. Aaron's another awesome cover artist who we roped in, and mm -hmm. he uh, sent him all the crazy ones. I no, love it. <laughs> it's a I, lot of fun. What goes in from like the time that an author, or for the people on the podcast you don't know, at least with Dream Spinner, mm -hmm. the authors get this, I think it's the two pages these days, yeah. a bit of a questionnaire to fill out about the book. Mm -hmm. Who are the characters? What do they look like? What's this book about? What genre is it in? And some other stuff, yes. including you know sample blurbs. And then you guys have to go do your work, presumably without reading the book or maybe skimming right. it possibly yeah what happens after that form comes in what what's the process that sure. goes on back there well and i should say too that it's a very different process than what happens at most publishing companies i mean um if if you've ever worked with other publishers especially like larger more mainstream publishers authors really have no say in their cover at all you pretty much you know they will say this is what will help sell your book and you're mm -hmm. kind of stuck with it but from the beginning, you know, it's always been really important to the people at Dream Spinner, like we were saying, the authors love their covers. So we try to get your input at the beginning and you're involved throughout the process. We get your spec sheet where you give us all the, the information that you can. We, we send samples of covers to see which ones kind of speak the most to you so that we can get a feel visually what might be a good direction to go in or who might be the best artist to pair you with. But then we send the spec sheet to the artist. They start, you know, working up some concepts. If it's a photo cover, they might mock up a, you know, a bunch of different things with different models from stock sites. If it's a drawn cover, you know, it might just be, you know, a, a one sketch. It just kind of depends on the artist and the what they're doing. But um, we always send, you know, kind of rough drafts to the author so that you can let us know if we're on the right track, if there's something you think we should change. Um, give us as much feedback as possible so that, because we want it, we do want it to represent the book as, as great as possible and uh, we take the feedback we go back we make changes if we need to um, and then we finish it up that's about it right is it always that easy go ahead i gonna say every um every every cover is different it depends on um the vision sometimes of the author sometimes the author leaves like 100 percent up to the designer yeah. um slash artist and they they can either run with it and sometimes it just it speaks for itself and you can just make something right off the bat that's beautiful um and it speaks exactly what they need um mm -hmm. sometimes you need a little bit more work to get to that point of what it needs to be yeah and we were um, just talking about this earlier how i think sometimes what we found a lot of authors are so close to their book that it's hard to be objective and step back and say like there's this is my vision for what I would love to see on the cover, but this is what might actually, you know, really represent it the best in the market. Sometimes those are two different things, and it's hard to boil down your an entire novel into one picture. You know, okay. I think that uh, it really it takes sometimes, you know, us going back and forth a little bit to finally get to the best option. But we, but that's all part of it, and we love working with our authors to, you know, make the best covers possible. I think uh, you spoke to this a little bit earlier, is that a good cover is both marketing and, you know, appealing yes, art. Exactly. Is, and you also said that, you know, every book is, of course, different. Right. Is, is there something, uh, like one or two things that you consider like the hallmark of a good cover? 
either marketing-wise or artistically? I would say that um, simplicity, number one, mm -hmm. is best. Okay. It has to be able to grab your attention right away without you having any knowledge of what the book is about, who the characters are, anything like that. And it has to hold up at the size of a postage stamp yeah. because that's how most people are going to see it at first. Yeah. So, you know, we can put in all of those little extra details about like, you know, the, the, he has to have this scar here on his face and this tattoo here and that kind of stuff. Cause we do want it to be accurate, like I said, but what really matters is, is it gonna grab someone's attention if they're scrolling through super fast on Amazon and they see this image? Is it gonna compel them to want to read the blurb to find out more of what the book's about? Because if it doesn't do that, then it's not doing its job. Okay. So I'd say that's the most important thing. How much education do you find that you have to give to authors on the art of the book cover? Well, yeah, it depends very much. I mean, uh, you know, we are really lucky. I, of the authors that we work with are very uh, open to the process and, you know, nice. And we both come from different kinds of corporate situations yeah. where we've experienced a lot of other things, so <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Um, but we, you know, in general, it's it's awesome working with our authors. But yeah, you know, every personality is different. Some people have stronger ideas about what they want, and sometimes those ideas are great, and sometimes they need a little bit of refining, so it really just depends. And but at the end of the day, I would say mostly it's 100% respectful. Yeah, um, absolutely. I've never been in a situation where it wasn't. Yeah, it's always like a... Um, Even if we clashed, like, had different ideas, you know, it, everybody has always been very respectful. Now that leads perfectly into one of our questions from one of our patrons, Ellen, because yes. she's actually curious if you've got any, like, funny stories of when you or your staff and authors have kind of <laughs> collided a little bit over cover art. Um, I think the most, the funniest would be the details that sometimes get left out of the specs. So like, for example, and we won't say who, because <laughs> you're watching, I love you. <laughs> Just know that. But one of my early covers had the had this a spec that was incredibly detailed about um, every, every little aspect of the character. His eye color is the shade of blue that's like the moonlight rippling on the water at night. You know, wow, across okay. A, <laughs> a brambling brook, you know, I mean, it was like uh, that, spe that specific and that uh, dramatic. But, I, so I drew what I thought they wanted and I sent it and the feedback came back to me and they said, well, that all looks good except you forgot to, you know, he's, he's supposed to be missing his left leg. <laughs> And that was nowhere in this entire spec. <laughs> I mean, I had that shade of blue just right, but he, he had two fucking legs. So well, it, that's uh, what Photoshop's for. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I would say that's my funniest. Sometimes, you know, the details that uh, we might get hung up on <laughs> aren't necessarily the most important ones. That's very true. I also, I found that um, sometimes when it's left to a little bit more interpretation for the artist to kind of go town on it yeah. um, is usually when the best results happen. Yeah, that is true. Um, um, which is hard, I think, sometimes as an author because you want to have a lot of control in it. But sometimes you do get... One of the things I encourage the artist to do is to do a, do a mock-up of exactly what the author has mm -hmm. asked for, but then also do something that is totally their own random crazy idea that they think might be better. And then that way the author can yeah. see both. Yep. And, you know, sometimes they will will go with the, the crazy one because it's just not everybody is visually inclined. So, you know, not every author would necessarily come up with that great idea. So it's good to, you know, be, try to be open to other suggestions and stuff. This is all part of it. Like, there's so much pressure on them to 
make the cover exactly what they need it to be. Right. Um, I mean, they want to sell their books, and we want to sell yep. their books. So it's all we're all on the, in the same boat. I found that the collaboration really works well. Like, yes, I, ha I have a States of Love book coming out in May, mm -hmm. and I, I sent my cover spec over. Kind of said what what I thought it should be, and I got three back. Yes, that were each like. That could all be the cover. <laughs> but this dude right here, that is so the right guy <laughs> yes. for this awesome. role. Can he end up on this cover? Yeah. Because the, the look of the Grand Hotel yep. on Mackinac Island was perfect to me uh -huh. in that shot. Yes. And sure enough, the artist would you know just mixed and match those pieces, yep. and then suddenly oh, there's yeah. the cover. That's exactly why we do it that way, because when it's at that early stage, we can absolutely pick and choose pieces we kind of Frankenstein boys together sometimes because if you saw the limited options that are out there on the stock photo sites for photo covers it's insane you know and everybody wants like the guy with bulging muscles and the long flowing hair and, yeah you know whatever you know crazy tattoos he might have like we, that's not there are maybe like three or four guys on a stock photo site with long hair and they all look like they live in their mom's basement. Yeah. So we usually end up, well, you, were, you were just saying you took like a woman's hair and photoshopped it onto the sexy yeah, dude. Yeah, seriously. You, wow. you, do, you do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, um, sometimes you just really have to pull some stuff from um, different places you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to set unrealistic expectations because that's not always possible. The lighting has to match and the angle of the camera has to be the same in both shots in order for that to work so it's not like some you know we don't we don't have the ability like to just pick and choose everything right. put it together but we can certainly try but what you're saying is that um the artist probably took from your spec um a bunch of different ideas and while they might have ended up on different covers it moved into one yeah. but that was just like kind of like what you were envisioning and like they tried a couple of different options based off of the information mm -hmm. you gave. Yeah, it's um, a real process, and when it works like that, it's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's a real collaboration. That's how that's how we see it for sure. Which do you prefer to work on, um, original artwork for a cover or photo um, manipulation? So when I started out, I my background was in traditional art. Right. You know, yeah. I studied illustration in college, so that was all I did at first. And I was literally like making oil paintings for every cover. Mm. <laughs> you know, it was kind of wow. insane. My first year or so that I was doing this, every cover was an actual oil painting, and which was a lot of fun and great, but you know, it took a lot of time and then you had to let it dry before you could scan it and stuff. So over time, I sort of taught myself how to work digitally and I eased into it. So I would start it out as an oil painting, but maybe just paint it in black and white and then scan it and color it in Photoshop and then add the type. So it was kind of like a gradual progression to now where even the illustrated covers I do, I do everything in Photoshop um, just because of the, you know, we have so many books that we're producing and mm -hmm. people need to, to see the covers sooner so that they can start promoting the book sooner and all that kind of stuff. But in general, I would say that what we're finding in the market right now is that photo-based covers tend to sell better. So as much as I love illustration and that's my background and obviously, you know, I'm always going to be doing this kind of work myself, um, I tend to encourage authors to go towards photo covers if it works with their concept, just because readers in this genre seem to prefer that now, which was not always the case. You know, first we did a lot of illustrated covers, mm -hmm. but one of the theories is that um, there, a lot of people are doing self-published books and doing covers all kinds of different ways and I think there may be just a general 
sense that a photo cover feels more professional for oh, some reason. Interesting. Which I don't think is true, but just you know, as you're as people are scrolling through through sites, they're more inclined to click on photo covers. So, mm -hmm. so we are we're kind of going in that direction as much as possible. The only place where that's not true is if it's like fantasy or sci-fi or something like that, where you're not going to find a stock photo and sure. nobody has that expectation in any way that it's going to be a photo. So we still do a lot of illustrated covers for those. But if it's contemporary. If it's even if it's you know even if it's not contemporary, but if it's a concept that can work as a photo, then I, I always try to encourage authors to go that direction because that's what's going to sell better right now. Unfortunately, that has to be a factor. We don't want to. We could make the most beautiful cover in the world, but if nobody's going to buy it, we're not doing our job. Right. So. Do you find we see books all the time? Yeah. And you always have seen books over time that are recovered yes. periodically. Yes. We do that too. We've, uh, we so you've recovered. Yeah, we have some of the early books that were illustrated. We have recovered with photo covers, and it's show you know a, a nice spike in sales for that author. So mm -hmm. it's it's very interesting. Aaron, I mean, I Paul, I know you you have a, a fine art background. Mm -hmm. Aaron, what's what's your background? So exactly? technically, um, very much so the same. Uh, we both went to CCAD. Okay. Um, Columbus but, College of Art and Design. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> But of course, I focus on uh, advertising and graphic design. So my um, my focus is graphic design. So a lot of my covers end up feeling very graphic. Mm -hmm. um, so they have that very graphic, bold feel. Yeah. Um, he started. What was it? You started doing James Turner covers what two or three years ago, maybe? Like four. Maybe. I feel like maybe almost five. But it was at a time when there were a lot of covers being made that were just like two Photoshop dudes over top of a landscape. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And we were like, yeah. we need to we need to stay ahead of this because this is not you know every cover that comes yep. out is going to look like this. How can we help our authors to have covers that stand out? And and one of the things we decided was we wanted to bring in some artists who have a real different aesthetic. And you know author, authors still get to choose. You know we right. say we showed them some of Aaron's covers, some of them love them, and some of them don't. So we right. try to pick authors who are open to that. But it can be a really great option. Can, uh, about trends, um, I call those book two guys in a landscape. Yeah, two guys um, in a landscape. Yeah. I like them because yeah. some of them are really gorgeous, yes. but there are also some that are total crap. Yeah, so, that's true. So from a creative standpoint, mm -hmm. when when uh, when you think a book is most suited for something like two guys in a landscape, what? How would you approach that? Instead of like, oh god, not another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the key to the two guys in a landscape concept is that the guys need to look like they belong together. It, well, yes, because if exactly. it, it, the lighting should be the same on them, the, yeah. the texture, everything. Because if not, then it just is very obvious that we've just cut out two different dudes right. from stock sites, and they would never want to even probably be in the same room together. Um, but. And there's always ways you can kind of make a concept feel unique, like maybe using a different font or, mm -hmm. you know, the way yeah. the colors or, or whatever. I mean, you right. could have done some, like, dudes yeah. over a landscape cover. Oh, for before. sure. Sometimes it works. Sometimes I mean, it's what you need to do for the cover. Right. Um, yeah. right. But uh, I just it, with no matter what, even if it is a more traditional concept, I think there are still ways you can, you know, make it have a, a unique feel. And that's really the goal with everything, whether we're doing a cover that's really kind of edgy, Mm -hmm. modern, you know, conceptual, or if it's a more traditional look. Because um, they are romance stories, so people need to look at it and know that there is a story and that there's a yep. the romance involved. Um, but, but even beyond the kind of traditional romance of Dream Spinner, you guys also manage the Harmony covers yes. and the, the DSP covers, too, mm -hmm. which can branch off into... Oh, yeah. All kinds of different 
Yeah, <laughs> so it's very DS, interesting to juggle. <laughs> the DSPP ones, uh, the um, Dreams Winter Publishing one, the, those ones are a lot of fun to do um, because they usually generally um, are trying to be um, a lot of, they're pulling away from the romance a little bit more mm -hmm. um, in the yeah. look and feel. They look like, um, more like genre fiction. Probably. Yeah, and which are a lot of fun to do and they look really interesting. Mm -hmm. And Harmony, too, actually, you know, has a very different aesthetic because mm -hmm. that's supposed to, needs to appeal to a young audience. Mm -hmm. So we research what books are teenagers buying now. Um, and and it, that changes a lot. Yeah, um, probably I would <laughs> guess more than what adults buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is interesting. You know, you I kind of, when I came into that, was under the impression that it should look younger, meaning like, I don't know, like I was kind of picturing you could do more with illustration and mm -hmm. maybe like a comic kind of look and that type of thing but actually teenagers tend to respond better to covers that look more like adult books because they want to be taken seriously as adults and I mean that makes total sense now that I think about it when I was a teenager I, I wanted everybody to see me as an adult that was kind of like what you're fighting against so you're not going to pick up a book that looks like makes you feel too juvenile right uh, or you they might feel insulted or something so that, it, it's very interesting these two are totally out coloring us <laughs> I noticed these shades oh, and yes. carry on coloring exactly <laughs> oh I'm sorry <laughs> um, we talked a little bit about stock art yeah and of course there's such a there's a limited amount of yeah. stock art that's out in the world and the, there's one guy I feel like I've seen <laughs> crop up on a lot of covers that lately, dude gets around <laughs> bushy hair yeah. and, <laughs> there are several one guys yeah actually, yeah, yeah there are see an there how do you guys <laughs> do you ever go out and find do your own cover shoots or, or stock up your own like photo store so you've got something a little bit different out in the marketplace so we do we do a couple things first with the stock sites we've started a list do not use men. <laughs> we all know that one guy with really dark hair has been used a million times. Yes. You know who he is. He is used up. Yep. Used um. up, used up, and he's gone, girl. Yes, so we yeah. have that. Um, but still, you know, it's so hard to avoid with the amount of books that get published every week. You can never totally stay on top of that. Um, so we do have some individual photographers that we also work with where we um, purchase photos directly from them so they've never been on a stock site before nice. um so so we have a few different arrangements with those we have some that we can take the photos and manipulate them we have others that we can license photos from but only if we're going to use just the full image exactly as it is without making any changes so every that sounds you, like a uh, a challenge potentially <laughs> it can be but sometimes like you know if they have the perfect the perfect image especially if people are wanting a simpler cover with maybe just one model or something mm. like that, it can be a great way to go because we can get some really dramatic images that are totally unique. Um, so those are a couple of things that we do. And then I know like for my own covers, I mean, we've not really done setup shots necessarily for the, for our photo covers, but I'm, I've certainly like when I've been doing an illustrated cover, make, made my friends or uh, husband or whoever, or sometimes myself uh, pose for, photos if, if I need some random crazy pose. Half of these cheesecake boys originated as me or someone I know. <laughs> He's not kidding. No, when I first you're coloring started, my ass right now. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a little more exaggerated, let's be real. Oh, please. <laughs> but yeah, you, oh, you mean mine's better. <laughs> uh, uh, uh -huh. When I first got to know him, um, I'd watch him start these uh, illustration pieces and it would be a photoshop version of himself making out with the photoshop <laughs> yeah. which to is me that? is like the like 
the we, epicenter of his ego. <laughs> yeah, we talked about the two guys over a landscape. This was the Paul on Paul series. And you learn really quickly, like, what is wrong with your physical appearance because... You know, you're using yourself as the model, and then you realize, oh, I need to make my nose smaller, and I need to give myself a better jawline, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it got a little too much for my ego, so now I make my friends do it. <laughs> do you have a favorite or favorites of your covers? Hmm. You know, the one that jumps out at me right now is one of the earlier ones that I did for, um, what's the name of the, no, the Eric Arvin but woke up in a strange place. Okay, yeah. Um, it yeah. was, I, I just, I really liked the concept of it, and, and I knew it, it, it meant a lot to him, and uh, a lot of people got prints of it to kind of, you know, remind them of him and mm -hmm. stuff, so I think that was a pretty special one for me. I, I, I enjoyed that one. That means a lot. Do you have one of yours, Aaron? Um, you know, I would say um, probably a lot of the DSP publishing ones. Like your um, Rick Reed? Like yeah, uh, yeah. So a lot of uh, Rick Reed's ones I uh, that I've done have been really awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of ones. And you were criticizing my ego. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a handful of ones that I've done for him for that one that are really good. Um, and then there's Willow Man by uh, John Inman yeah, um, that I really cool. liked. Um, and then there is a series of John Inman's that I did that was um, serenading Stanley. Stanley, yes. Um, that was, it's like a series that's revolving around this hotel, and that one turned out really cool, actually. Because uh, the font um, was kind of like a neon type one, which is a little hard to do sometimes when you want to do a series, or if you want to translate that, kind of becomes a problem, but it was a lot of fun. And that actually, that's a, that leads to a great question. How much changing do you have to do on the cover when a title goes, to, goes into the translation market? Uh, well, we actually build them all so that they can do that pretty easily. So we can't, we don't do um, effects to fonts that will make it so that we can't change the words. Um, in other words, like, supposed to. You, yeah, sometimes he breaks that rule and I have to say, <laughs> fix this. <laughs> but we have, we do all our covers so that they're easily adaptable for that. Because uh, that's something that Elizabeth has always kind of, you know, it's been on, on the back of her mind to take more titles into translations. It's been such a great opportunity for growth in our, in our company to reach out to other countries. So. Are there market considerations? Like a cover image that would work good in this country yes. and maybe somewhere else just doesn't, you have to redo anyway? Yeah, sometimes we do it. Especially again, like with the illustrated covers, we'll switch out to a photo cover sometimes for different areas or, yeah, we've made certain changes just depending on where it's going. Nice. Do you have a favorite cover? The one I drew, of course. Well, I love the one, I love the one that we did for Bicycle. I mean, that, yes. means, that meant a lot because, oh my God, I had a Paul Richmond cover. You really did. That was a Paul on Paul one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you will not think about it the same way. Well, it doesn't look like me. I mean, I gave him other people's faces. Um, it's like what they do in Hollywood now. Where they could just make, you know, they could just recreate these, like, Peter Cushing's and Star Wars, and he's yeah. been dead for a while. Exactly. So, um, one of the covers... Sadly, it's not either one of yours. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we won't hold it against One of the covers that has struck me of late, uh, after coming out of DSPP, was uh, TJ Klune's Murmuration. Oh, yeah. That Reese Dante did. Yes, that was a good one. The, the birds with that face and everything, it just, 
It's yeah. a striking cover, and that cover goes with that book mm -hmm. perfectly. Yes, Reese is awesome at that. She's great at communicating with authors, finding out what's really going to fit. What about you? What's your favorite cover? Um, you know, I don't know if I have a favorite cover. Um, what one that has like standing out to you right now? Well, okay. From a from a design standpoint, I <laughs> I have always loved the uh, first paperback edition of Jackie Suzanne's Valley of the Dolls. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> yes, I know what you're talking the, about. The, that super simple, straightforward. Um, that was before design. his time. He has no clue what you're saying. The design in that. He'll be looking that up online later. <laughs> that can Google us right he, now? he didn't even know who Ben Midler was, so it's going to be a while. Oh that my beautiful gosh. font, and uh, I, yeah. love, I love that. That is that is a good. I, one. So. I do like what and I think you were behind this actually. The the style of the dream spots. Oh yes. Uh huh. Yeah, it we, is extremely modern uh, category romance. Yes. You yeah, can look at that book and you know it is the MM equivalent of Harlequin. Good. Good. They was, all sit it, on his shelf. <laughs> he actually gets the paperbacks yes, for those. They, they are all lined up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yes, I did the initial design for it, and it, but then we have one of our artists, um, Bree Archer, actually does all of the, the covers. The She you know, works with authors to pick out the models and the backgrounds and stuff. So, but yeah, that was an interesting challenge, though, to figure out a design that would work for every story. <laughs> you know, we had to, we tried a lot. I remember we did a ton of variations before we landed on that. Because then you, you lock yourself in. Like, you're right. always going to have something in this circle, or now it's more yeah. the, the, I guess, the swash across the middle. Yes. But it's, everything's got to fit right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's been good, though. I think it, you know, helps people to kind of, like, focus in on their, on a concept. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard sometimes. But we say, look, it's got to fit in this spot, so we get <laughs> What's the best way to keep up with you online, besides obviously looking at work on the Dream Spinner site? <laughs> that's why, yeah, that's a good way. Um, well, you can go to my website, paulrichmanstudio.com, um, or social media, which is all linked from my website. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We do I do a new YouTube video every week. Paul Richmond Studio on YouTube. Oh, fun! Um, okay. I show a lot of behind the scenes, you know, in my studio kinds of things. You can actually I post some videos showing me uh, creating covers, so you can see how that process works. But then also just like random crazy silly things, like I'm sure we're going to be doing a bunch this, this weekend yes. too. <laughs> I always rip him into these things, which is a lot of fun. So, so that would probably be. Those are some ways. <laughs> cool. And Aaron. Um, I don't really have like an artist website, but you can find my covers from Dream Spinner. Um, and my Instagram, you can find me at Aaron by Design, um, 55 on Instagram. Yeah. Cool. Connect people to that. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Cheesecake Boys available now at the Dream Center website. So, if you're on the video now, you can see how things have worked out. Mine, <laughs> mine sucks. Oh, don't say that. It's beautiful. Mine sucks? What do you mean? No, it's not. Like, <laughs> They're so cute. You get an A for effort. Thank you. I get the participation Look, he focuses on the eggplant. Look how hard that he pressed on that. <laughs> because you that, can see that eggplant on the I other found side. the right color for it. <laughs> After Gosh. screwing up the skin tone completely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> So well, we'll have Paul's available. Do you want to autograph yours and give away to the audience too? Should. Sure. You can finish yeah, it. Up. I want to finish it though. Yeah, he, he didn't finish his. <laughs> and okay. I won't feel bad if nobody wants this. That's okay. <laughs>
Not at all. Well, thank you both. Yes, thank, thank you, you guys. for this being a lot with of us. Fun. This was great. <laughs> Always happy to have a coloring party. <laughs> Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast and see what we get up to next. So as mentioned at the end of that interview, we are running a rafflecopter this week to give away the coloring. Uh, Will's got, uh, if you're on the video feed, you see Paul's finished work. And I'm holding up Aaron's, and now I'm holding up Will's. We're going to give away Will's, too. We're not giving away mine, because mine sucked. Let's just call it like it was. Mine sucked. So check out the Rafflecopter at the, uh, show, on the show notes page this week for the opportunity to win this, this packet of autograph coloring. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun during the interview. It was a blast. We're glad Paul and Aaron could hang out with us and uh, color and yeah. have some fun. And definitely pick up the coloring book. It's still available from Dream Spinner Press. Definitely. So really quick, before we wrap things up, we want to let you know that you can help support the podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For less than the price of a coffee a month, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this show. Now, for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. Absolutely. And we got some good ones coming up. I'm really excited. You can get details on becoming a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash big gay fiction podcast exactly now coming up next week in episode 83 we're going to tell you all about our experience at the rt book lovers convention Mm. i'm scared it's gonna be awesome (laughs) we're gonna have a good time so until then guys please keep reading and we'll talk to you later for detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist go to biggayfictionpodcast.com New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 